This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 156 of the Laravel News Podcast. I'm Jake Bennett, and once again with me, as always, or I guess I'm with him, which way is it? Are we with each other? We're with each other. We're, We're with, with each, each other. other. This is my wonderful friend and co-host, Mr. Michael Dorinda. Michael, how's it going, dude? Hello, hello. How's it going? Going, it is going, going right. good. It's uh, it looks starting like to warm up. It looks like it's dark in there in your room because you've got all these lights on behind you. But it's, yeah, I was going to say it's supposed to be warming up there because... It's getting colder here, and since we're in opposite seasons and all there that good go. stuff, I figured your uh, your window would be open. You'd be, you know, I'd be hearing birds chirping or yeah. kookaburras <laughs> or something. No, no trees near me. It's all just. It's actually it's kind of fortunate because you get trees and then all of the trees they shed and they end up in your gutters and you got to do the gutters. So mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. But um, no, usually when I record, I keep the keep the windows shut and the gotcha. blinds closed because I've got the lights on. But I didn't have my overhead light on because uh the key light wasn't showing up yeah the key light the key light yeah it wasn't wasn't uh, showing up but it is now so it's on now there you go ta-da hey did i ever tell you about that uh, one time i was at the zoo and we saw a kookaburra and i went on youtube and got a kookaburra sound and put it on and that thing went wild it was hilarious because <laughs> the kids wanted to hear it i was like oh they make a really cool sound and the kids were like oh it's just still kind of sitting there and i'm like no 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 it's really it's it's a very cool sound and they're like i don't know so i looked it up and was showing them and then it just was like going crazy that's pretty <laughs> cool. going crazy yeah that's yes. great good time it's funny good how times. some animals react to to sounds like our dog with the squishy toys if he starts yeah squishing, oh yeah yeah you know, yeah they, that, that squeaker gets going and he starts starts howling so uh yeah we, we do that for a bit sheldon. of fun every now and then <laughs> yeah is it sheldon, sheldon. yeah Good old mm-hmm. Sheldon. How old is Sheldon these days? Uh, he's coming up on eleven or twelve, I think. Okay, so he's getting up there, advanced in years. Yeah, I think. Well, t- I think it'll be eleven next next February. Very nice. We did uh, the uh, Thanksgiving thing here in the U.S. last week. Well, mm-hmm. this week it was this week. This week. Mm-hmm. For those of you who are going to be listening, it will be last week. And for mm-hmm. me, it was actually two weeks ago. We went to Ohio and hung out with my family, and my brother brought his dog who's mm-hmm. like 14 years old and it was crazy because I haven't seen that dog in like forever and it was so wild because like I remember last time I saw her she was like a puppy and now she's like 14 and like you know barely mm-hmm. can make it around sort yeah. of deal but yeah. it's, yeah. they just age so much faster you know so like 11 12 mm-hmm. 13 I mean that's getting up there you know yeah definitely you you, you take pretty good care of at home you do you do like walks and stuff all the time and like keep him active and that's yeah especially now that it's like it, it's hard to not keep him active because he's just got so much energy all the time even yeah. You know, you'll take him for a walk. He'll come back and he'll just be passed out. And then yeah, he'll, right. he'll, he'll, he'll like close his eyes for 10 minutes and he's good to go again for the rest oh, of the seriously? day. It's unreal, oh, how much, yeah, it's unreal how much energy he's got, even at this well, age. Maybe he's still got quite a bit left in him. Although I feel yeah. like, and I don't need to, like, I feel like with dogs, it's like they do really, 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 really good. And then all of a sudden they just like kind of fall yeah. off the cliff. You never yeah, really know when cliff, that's going to yeah. be, you know, that's how it was with my dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, growing up, but I only had like one dog growing up. You know, I got him when I was like six years old or something, and then mm-hmm. just had him my whole life until college. And uh, yeah, it just sort of same thing. He was like totally fine, and then just gone. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. On that sad note, let's get started with the show, <laughs> shall we? Let's do it. Hey, uh, want to give a quick shout out to Honey Badger again at the top of the show here for all of your error tracking needs. We're going to be talking about them a little bit later in the show. But thanks again for Honey Badger sponsoring 
the show. Mr. Dorinda, we've got a couple releases here of Laravel as well as for PHP. I'm going to go ahead and start out with Laravel 8.71. So Laravel team released 8.71 with a at JS blade directive, declined validation rules, the ability to flush macros, and some more changes in the latest 8.x branch. So let's start with declined validation rules. So Nicholas Kevin Frank contributed declined and declined if validation rules. They're the opposite of accepted and accepted if, which means if the field under validation, uh, the field under validation must equal no, off, zero, or false. The declined if is the same, but only when another field is equal to a specified value. Okay, so where would you use this? If you have a, you need to accept our terms and conditions, or you read our privacy policy or something, whatever, there's this just checkbox that they have to click. That's a case where you would use accepted. You would use declined maybe if it was, you know, if you were doing one of those slimy sort of, hey, you're opted in automatically unless you decline it or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. I can't, I can't mm-hmm. exactly think of a time where you would want to validate that it was declined. But in any case, you now can. It's just the opposite of accepted. So declined and declined if validation rules are now available. Thanks, Nicholas. We have a at JS blade directive. So Chris Morrell contributed a at JS blade directive. <clears throat> and that the reason I'm saying at JS is because that's how you would use it inside of blade. Inside of blade, you have directives like if and you do at if to you prefix it with that at and that means you're using a directive. So this builds on the JS class that was introduced in Laravel 8.70, which we talked about last week or two weeks ago. The directive is per, is useful to properly escape JSON within HTML quotes, resulting in a JS object using JSON.parse. So you would use something like this in Alpine if you were doing div x dash data equals and then quotes. And then inside of the quotes, you use the at JS and then in parens, you'd pass in your data. Uh, and this would result in the Illuminate Support JS class echoing out whatever that data was into uh, a HTML escaped string, it looks like. So there you have that. Thank you very much, Chris. We have Flush Macros, which was contributed by Brad Miller. And um, this is on the macroable trait. So macroable, just to kind of jump back a little bit, this was the all the hotness maybe a couple of years ago, right? And I mean, it's still used uh, very mm. often. But basically what this does is this allows you to add on your own methods to classes that Laravel provides by default, right? So you can have a collection and then you can have a collection macro that you can add on. So any class that has this macroable trait that you can add on to it or that has a macroable trait, you can sort of add on your own methods. So with that sort of background here, you have this flush macros method uh, that has been added to the macroable trait that's used throughout various classes in the Laravel framework. This method could be helpful in a unit test environment where side effects exist and parallel testing could cause intermittent failures. So calling the flush macros method removes all macros that are defined on the class. So uh, you would just call the class usually by like a facade, right? In this case, he just used example colon colon flush macros, and that will remove all the macros that are defined on that specific class. That's everything for 8.71. You can check out all the other release notes and change jog items on GitHub on to 8.72 and 8.73. Mr. Dorinda. Yes, indeed. 8.73. We've got some releases here. 7.2 and 7.3 and 7.3.1. So first up, Stephen Reese Carter contributed adding the FAR extension to blocked PHP extensions during file upload. By default, 
Debian includes support for executing FAR files alongside PHP and PHTML files and should be included in the block list as part of upload. So this, uh, I believe, has been backported to all currently supported versions of Laravel, but it's a bit of a security concern. If someone uploads a FAR file yeah, and then that gets into your application and then they can sort of sniff out where it is and then, and then execute it, and FAR being a compiled sort of PHP extension, they could bundle whatever they want in there and execute that against your application. So... Kudos to Stephen, and he spoke at uh, it was Laracon oh, online. Yes. Oh yeah, as well that was about a really good hacking, talk. hacking Laravel. So definitely check that one out if you're interested in uh, some of the the darker side of you know penetration testing and security testing and, and all that kind of stuff, and, Although, and make sure that you can keep your applications safe and sound. I will say, in my experience, I don't feel like anybody except for maybe Stephen is working that hard. I mean, <laughs> most penetration testers are running a suite of scans across your stuff. And as long as you pass that, they give you the thumbs up, right? This, these sorts yeah. of, I mean, maybe this one isn't necessarily like, this could be included in that list of scan stuff. But Stephen, when he went, he was very specific as to how, what vectors he was attacking Laravel through. Like mm-hmm. he knew like those cookie, you know, hashes and how that used to be broken and how that could be used, utilized to uh, attack a Laravel application. In any case, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not something to be concerned about. I'm just saying that, you know, Stephen did a really good job. That's all I'm saying. Stephen's the man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. Next up, Gerard Nesta contributed the ability to pass a closure as a time to live value in the cache remember method. So you can um, pass as a closure where, where previously you would pass a, um, you know, either a, a number of, I think we changed it to seconds, seconds. Or, mm-hmm. or, a, or, a, or a daytime instance. So you can now pass a closure and that can be used to then calculate the TTL uh, so when the when the cached item expires, so definitely check that out if that's something that you need a little bit more fine grained control over. Uh, Mosh Brodsky contributed a lazy by ID descending method, which queries lazily by chunking the results of a query by comparing IDs in descending order, which is useful when dealing with a lot of data and you want the newer objects to be processed first. So I think um, lazy by ID will obviously go ascending by default. Oliver Kaufman contributed moving the reset URL generation into a separate method for the password reset notification. So this is similar to verify email. This will allow you to override the default URL generation logic without overriding the two mail method in its entirety. So check that one out. Uh, This one was added by me. (laughs) And this is to add support for countables to the pluralizer. So have you ever used the the string plural or the string uh, plural studly? in your application. So if you say like, if you're putting in a string into your application that says this is the number of users returned, you know, you've got 15 users returned and you want that users part of the the string to be dynamic based on the number of users, you could pass it, you know, into string colon colon plural user as the first parameter and then a number into the second parameter and that would then figure that out. So previously you would have to, if you had a collection of items, you would have to do, you know, collection arrow count to get an integer into that. So now um, anything that passes PHP's is countable check will, will be able to be accepted by that method and then handled correctly. So it'll call count on it and, and make sure that that works. So you can pass an array in there and you can pass a collection as well. So I was surprised. This is one of those things that I was surprised that didn't just work. And normally when that happens, I would just, uh, just you know, go about my day, work around it and, and keep going. But this time I thought, no, nah, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to submit the PR and get this in. So... There you go. That is done and dusted. But that is all we have for 8.71 and 8.73. Of course, we'll have all of the links to everything and the releases and GitHub and all of that stuff in the show notes. Very nice. 
Um, this next announcement is good, and it also I'm like, dang it, I am uh, I'm still working on switching to PHP 8. I've still got a couple applications we've got out there for our uh, business that are on 7.4, and it's fine. Like 7.4 still has well, is it is it end of no no no, it's still receiving updates. There's not long not long left. Not I'm long, sure. not long left. But we're working on getting everything over to eight, and uh, right now PHP 8.1 has been released as of November 26th. So yesterday, PHP 8.1, the PHP team announced the release of PHP 8.1. So there is a lot of really great stuff in this release. Uh, There's a list. Here's the list of the main features in 8.1 as defined by everyone's favorite human, Mr. Paul Redmond. So there's enumerations, or a lot of us know know those as enums. There's read-only properties, fibers, pure intersection types, the never-return type, First class callable syntax, final modifier for class constants, fsync, fdatasync functions, array is list function, explicit octal numeral notation, and a lot more. So he goes over a few of these, and I'm just going to briefly touch on each one of these. So PHP 8.1 supports enums natively. This is something that you kind of had. There was a couple different ways that you could do these sorts of things previously. Um, one of the ways that we've implemented it in Ben Ping Me was to use Spassi's enum package, which also mm-hmm. has been updated to use PHP 8.1's native enums. So really, really great stuff there. But it there is now a native API for defining and working with enums. And I've looked, um, this is probably one of the features I've looked the most at. In 8.1, and it looks like it's going to be really, really awesome. We we use things like this in our code bases on a very regular basis, um, helping us to get rid of some of these like magic strings and uh, be able to use enums instead. And I'm really excited about that. There's also this idea of read-only properties. So typically or previously in PHP, there wasn't really a way to do this. The way around doing this was to set a value as a uh, private property, and then you use getters to like a get method, the magic get method, in order Mm -hmm. to be able to get those values but not be able to set them, right? And so now you can be confident that your data classes are consistent because you have to all you have to do is just put public read-only and then dollar sign status, and you initialize it in the constructor, and then it cannot be changed. And so you don't have to do any of these tricks to get around how PHP was previously constructing those, and now it's read-only, and it gets set, and it never never can change. So that's pretty cool. Uh, you have intersection types when you're needing to satisfy multiple constraints at the same time. So if you want to make sure something is iterator and also countable, you can now say when you're type hinting a particular value, iterator and countable, And then you can pass in either one of those, right? So that's pretty cool. There is also this one, which is really interesting, this first class callable syntax. So that sounds a little bit like jumbly word soup, and I didn't really know exactly what that was. But if you have a function that is defined, and let's just say, I don't know, like let's just say it's a helper method or something, and you have a function. In this case, they call it add. So function add, and you're passing it as the first argument, integer A, and as the second argument, integer B. But you need to use this as a closure somewhere. Well, what you can do now is you can call, let's say, dollar sign add equals. And then that function that you have called add, you just say add parentheses dot 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 as the argument. What that will do is that will make dollar sign add a closure that references that function. So when you call dollar sign add and then pass in parameters, it acts as if it is that function, but now you can pass that closure around to different things. Um, So, you know, you think like in collection methods, you can, uh, for instance, say reduce or 
filter or reject, and those those will accept a closure. Um, and so now you can uh, have these sort of reusable functions that you can assign to a variable and then pass in as closures to different locations. That's sort of the thing that I was thinking as thinking through as I first read this. But it's really interesting. Um, it's one of those things I'll probably remember. Like as I'm doing a code review, be like, oh, hey, did you know? And I'll just like kind of link to the thing and be like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Right. So there, I mean, there are options for not having to do this, but it's a pretty, pretty cool uh, little trick there. So thanks, Paul, for pointing out some of those ones. That is PHP 8.1. It is now available for everybody to use. Uh, And as has been mentioned before, Forge has 8.1 that can be installed on any of their Forge servers. And there was also somewhere else. Is it on? Oh, sale i think you have 8.1 in sale as well so mm-hmm. you can use it in your local environment you can use it in forge in your dev environment or i'm sorry in your production environment and i'm sure vapor already has it as well so yeah yep there we uh, go j- just back to php 7.4 that sure. is in active support until midnight like tonight today right today. now oh today oh gosh <laughs> oh yeah. no so we're it's active hacked. support active support until midnight you will still have 11 months of security updates until okay well uh, this time next year but uh, I made all your tests pass in PHP 8, so... Thank you. That's one app done. <laughs> there we go. Most of our stuff is in PHP 8. Most of it. Not all of it. Most of it. So should be good. All right, Mr. Dorinda. On to the news, my friend. Yeah. On the back of PHP 8.1, we have announcing the PHP Foundation. So multiple members of the PHP community, including JetBrains, on the 22nd of November announced the formation of the PHP Foundation to continue development of the language. In addition to JetBrains, the list of members include Automatic, Laravel, Acquia, Zen, CraftCMS, Private Packages, Tideways, PrestaShop, and Symphony. So the PHP Foundation is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to ensure the long life and prosperity of the PHP language itself by funding part and full-time developers to contribute to the language and has been set up through Open Collective. Now, the main reason, I suppose, behind this decision is that Nikita Popov, who is one of the key contributors, has decided to switch his focus away from PHP to LLVM. And and Nikki's actually been with the PHP community, working with PHP since 2011 and has worked on PHP at JetBrains for close to three years now, making significant contributions to three major PHP releases, 748 and now 8.1. The funds collected by the foundation may be used to engage the services of PHP contributors in order to further advance the development of the language, but the primary task of the foundation will be to fund developers to work on PHP. You can check out the PHP Foundation announcement on the JetBrains blog to find out more details on how you can contribute it uh, to the foundation either financially or by you know contributing to the to the language so this is key to making sure that there is financial support i think that that's the biggest kicker the biggest roadblock to open source is is sustainability and it's good to see that you know all these yeah. core core php users you know in terms of frameworks and 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 companies and things like that are stepping up to to fund the development of the language so Wish, uh, wish Nikita all the best in his future endeavors and uh, good luck to the, the foundation and the PHP team as they go into this next chapter. Absolutely. Hey, we're a little bit late on this one because this was the 23rd, so a couple days ago, but it was Black Friday. Um, well, I guess it was Black Friday yesterday, but this was posted mm. on the 23rd, meaning it was going to be coming up. So most of the deals are probably still running. I'm don't know for sure that they will be by the time this comes out, but I'm guessing because of Cyber Monday and all that good stuff, I'm guessing mm. these people... Some of them are running until running. the end of November. So yeah, hopefully so. This, we'll get this episode out. We'll try and get this episode out early. Okay, yeah. So 
Black Friday, for those of you who are unaware, is like the biggest shopping day of the year. A lot of times, I think they call it Black Friday because it's when people go into the black, right? Like stores get into the black, right? So they finally cross over. I think that's what it is. I think it's where they get the name from. Like they go from being red into the black, right? They make their final profits at like the end of the year to kind of get them crossed over. Anyway, that's what I've heard. So let's talk about some of these things. Laravel specials. We've got Laravel Jobs. We've got Laravel Nova with 30% off. Eloquent Performance Patterns. Mastering Laravel Nova. Beginner Tailwind. Serverless Laravel. Laravel Secrets. All these great, great, great things from people who are large community members who have been contributing for a long time. So if you are looking for any of those or have been looking at any of those, you now can get those for great discounts. We've also got some stuff for those of you who are more into the JavaScript side of things. We've got Vue School. So you learn Vue.js, modern cutting edge front end technologies, and you get 40% off. Uh, but there's only 50 seats available for that. So if you didn't get it, mm, might not be available still. We'll see. <laughs> um, there's also a Mastering Nuxt course for 40% off. Uh, we also have Backpack for Laravel admin panels. So this is... <laughs> an admin panel, right? And so they have 43% off that. Uh, we've got Make VS Code Awesome by Caleb Porzio. He's got the wizard package and baller package that are 50% off. Beyond Code, Mr. JMac himself, he's got 50% off on, I'm sorry, not Beyond Code. Beyond Code Marcel. is not Mr. JMac. Beyond Code <laughs> is Mr. Marcel. And uh, I was I was getting where hold on there's JMax bundles down there sorry Marcel Beyond Code has fifty percent off on all of their courses the Mega Bundle uh, Windy Tinker and, and all their apps too so just had a friend that was using Tinkerwell for the first time the other day and was like this is amazing it's this magic it is I love Tinkerwell <laughs> it works works great I use it almost every day Cloudcasts is uh, having a forty percent off discount. Uh, on their AWS courses. So this is really good if you are new to AWS and are looking for how you can best set that up and manage your costs. Check out Cloudcasts, Spassi, which all of you should be familiar with. Nobody should be a stranger to Spassi's packages. In addition to all of their free products that they have or free packages that they give us all the time that we talk about on almost every show, they also have some amazing, amazing digital products and courses you could check out. So MailCoach, Ray, Flare, Testing Laravel, Beyond Crowd, blah, 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 blah. All of them. There's like six or seven of them here. 30% discount on all of those. JMac also has a bundles that are on sale. He's got his Black Friday courses bundles. Uh, if you use Laravel Shift, which we do, there is a Shift Workbench license for 25% off. And then their Everything Plan subscription, which gives you access to all of their different shifts, including all the legacy ones, is $400 off, which is a great, great, great discount. West Boss is running 50% off sale. He always only does this one time a year. So if you've been waiting for uh, those to go on sale, so you grab one and check that out. There's also stuff on Laracast with the 50% off uh, any personal subscription there. Better Dev, Level Up Pro, Ping Ping, Laravel Security, Laravel Certification. All good stuff. Tons of it in here. Eric Barnes, thanks so much for putting all this together. If you're looking for deals on any of that good stuff or looking to spend that cash that you uh, that you got for your birthday or for whatever, I don't know. Go check these out. Thanks, Eric, for putting that together. Appreciate it. Beautiful. Okay. On to packages, my friends. On to Indeed. packages. Laravel Livewire Calendar is a component by Andres Santabanez to show events in not just any old calendar, but a good-looking monthly calendar. Mm. To get started with this component, you create a component that extends the Livewire Calendar class and override the events method to return obviously the events that you need to display on the calendar. Next, include the component in any view as you would any LiveWire component and you are donezo. This component also provides more advanced UI customization and you can check out the README for details on that. We'll have links to all of it in the show notes. Hey, my birthday's on this calendar. 
He's got my birthday. Andreas, how nice is he? Look at that. Jake's birthday. Tweet at Jacob Bennett. Wow. What a nice dude. What a nice dude. And his birthday's on there too. Wow. I feel so special. I feel so cared for right now. Thank you, Andreas. Laravel Cash Helper Package. Here we go. This is by Andre Heldar, and it provides a helper for working with the cash in Laravel. So using the key method, you can generate a cash instance to get, set, update, and remove cash values. So let me look at what this is here. So what you can do is you can have a uh, a cash instance where you say cash, make, and then you set a key. So in this case, it's like foo, bar, baz, b-a-q. He basically is passing in a listing of values and array values that you can use to sort of construct a unique key. And then you can use that that value that you've gotten that you've assigned to a dollar sign cash to then put whatever you want in there. Get, has, forget, any of that stuff. This mm. becomes helpful when you have something where you are trying to figure out how you can make a unique key for a cash value. And a lot of times what you end up doing is you end up saying, hey, this is a claim and I'm going to say claim dash and then I'm going to uh, you know, provide an ID. But then mm-hmm. I this is actually not all claim I, you know, values for this particular claim, but this is claim dash ID dash, and this should be their orders, right? Or something like that, right? And so you end up having yeah. to sort of construct this string that you have that you're grabbing, or sorry, that you're assigning to this value, right? And then later you'd grab it back out. So with this, basically, you can pass a whatever you want to this key. You can assign pretty much anything. It's just sort of however many values you want to pass in there. Go ahead and do that. And then you can then grab that instance of that cache and then use your put method to put something in there. Or you can grab that again later and call get or has or forget or any of the methods you would normally call on cache. Uh, And then this package also supports tagging for repositories. So if you're using something like uh, Redis, uh, then you can call tags and pass in multiple uh, tags there and then call your key method so that you can then flush the cache for just those particular tags if you wanted to. Uh, or you can also retrieve tagged cache items using the same tags you provided previously. So if that's something you look, uh, you're needing to do, like if you're needing to apply complex keys in order to be able to uh, store and get uh, unique values out of the cache, this might be a good fit for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I ran, in, ran into some issues with cache keys the other day and Really? I was using the cache to avoid hitting the database, but the cache key that I was using was reaching through a relationship to, to get an ID. And because uh-huh. that relationship was not loaded, it was querying the database anyway. But do you know what helped me find that error in my code? Let's hear it. It was Honey Badger. Ah. Even the code written by an amazing developer such as me <laughs> had errors in it. And when errors happen, it's nice to know that Honey Badger has your back. Honey Badger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error, uptime, and check-in monitoring into a single easy-to-use platform. Honey Badger will send you alerts in real time with all the context needed to see what's causing the error and where it's hiding so you can quickly fix it and get on with your day. The included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. You can go to honeybadger.io and discover how Star, Josh, and Ben created a 100% bootstrap monitoring solution, which is important. Because as a self-funded business, it means they only answer to you, the developer, rather than a venture capital overlord. So be sure to check out our friends at Honey Badger. You can see them at honeybadger.io. Very nice. Hey, the, the, the cool thing is that's not even a lie. 
that's not even like a pitch. Like that's literally true. Honey Badger. That's literally what happened. That is literally (laughs) what happened. So thank you, Honey Badger. Check them out. Hey, we've got one more package here before we move on to tutorials. This is a package that allows you to log a route statistics for users and teams. So think about this as in maybe in Google Analytics or something like uh, Fathom Analytics or something like that, right? Um, you, If you wanted to associate those sorts of analytics to a particular user, you'd have to be telling Google or Fathom about that. Fathom wouldn't store it. It just stores sort of anonymous analytics, right? But you'd have to be telling Google, you'd have to tag those specific things with tags in order to be able to then break them down. That could be a pain in the butt to sort of have to go back mm-hmm. and do that later, right? And sort of associate the data and whatever. It'd be nice if you could just keep track of those things, logging these different routes that people are hitting, users or teams are hitting uh, for uh, you know digesting that information later. And so this package allows you to do that really easily. So Bill Felt created this package to log stats about users and teams Usage of routes in your Laravel application lets you see how much each user uses the application and what part of the application they use. And it also allows you to see if unauthenticated users are making a lot of requests to your application or where they're making those requests. So you can do this using the global Laravel middleware and you just assign route statistics. So you install the package and then you just call a new, uh, you just put route statistics into your global level middleware, or you can enable it for individual route groups uh, or you know, via middleware, just attach uh, arrow middleware onto a route and it will uh, log the statistics for that. And you can also log statistics via a request macro. So if you're in a particular controller, uh, like a contr- uh, an index method or a create or a store method or something, you would just call dollar sign request and then route statistics on that request. And that would also save the stats off of that route being used. And so the package logs requests to the database with the following fields by default, user ID, team ID, the method they were using, the route name if available or the route URI, the status that was returned, the IP that it was requested with, and the date of the request stored as a date time. So if that's something that you think would be helpful to you and your team, you should definitely check that out. Thanks very much, Bill Felt, for creating that one for us. All right, Mr. Dorinda, tutorials. Let's do it. First up, learn how to build modern Laravel apps using Inertia.js. This is a series of videos from Laracast founder Jeffrey Way that he has just finished on how to build the aforementioned modern Laravel apps using Inertia.js. The series consists of 24 videos that teach you how to build single-page apps using Inertia and Laravel consisting of lots of topics that I'm not going to list out because there's 24 of them. But this series is free. It covers Inertia.js, the technology used in first-party Laravel packages such as Laravel Jetstream and Laravel Breeze. And Inertia.js is loved by many in the community for building modern single-page apps using classic server-side routing and controllers. You can check out the new Laracast series today. A massive shout out to Jeffrey Way for a comprehensive course on Inertia as well as Jonathan Rennick for creating Inertia in the first place. We have links to all of that in the show notes. I have gone through it. It's helpful. It's uh, There were a couple of gaps I had in some understanding that I had around partial partial layouts and things like that that Jeffrey, as as he's known to do, just made very simple to understand and, and cleared up some issues that I had there. So definitely check it out. Um, it is a very good series to get you up and running using Inertia. Nice. I also want to just say that this is marketing done right. So Jeffrey Way is, I feel like he's always done a really good job at this. The way that Jeffrey markets his stuff is not slimy. It's not 
hey, sign up for this course and we'll give you the first three free and then you pay for the rest of them. Jeffrey mm. just provides value. So for example, his Laravel from scratch, he updates that every single time that there's a new release of Laravel. And it's just free every time. And like what he says here is this, you don't even have to share an email address. It's not like sign up without a credit card and then we'll cancel access for you after a week or sign up with a credit card and after a month we'll bill you. It doesn't even require an email address. It's just when people are searching for how do I build something with inertia? Here it is for free. And if you find it's valuable and you think that you might use, you know, Laracast for other things, then then subscribe. And um, I think he just does a really, really good job of marketing well. And so kudos to Jeffrey. Thanks, Jeffrey, for this course. That's really great. I will plan to go through that as well. I have not gone through that. I haven't built a whole lot of things with inertia yet, to be honest. And I think sort of my limitation is like, maybe this is just a fundamental misunderstanding for me. So you can maybe help clear this up. Is inertia, you know, one of the things about like Livewire, Alpine, and all those things, I can kind of sprinkle them in, right? I feel mm-hmm. like with inertia, I almost have to sort of either be starting on a greenfield project or I have to like start over with an existing project in order to be able to pull in inertia. Like, can I just put it in certain pages? Like, how does that work? Yeah. What do you think? So, the, I mean, the idea with inertia is that it, it, is responsible for the ho- the whole page, but you can right. still navigate a way to other parts of your application that aren't using inertia. You can use inertia for, sp- for specific pages, like you can introduce it piecemeal. So in your controllers, you know, for the most part, you're returning a view, like just a blade view. But if you wanted to swap that out to something that's inertia, and then you could c- componentize a specific page, that's that, you know, that one page, you, you can return the inertia view. So inertia colon colon render, Give it the name of view, pass it the data, and and that will be an inertia an inertia rendered page in your application. So, and then you could you know just follow links and and inertia is smart enough to know whether or not it's moving to another inertia route or if it needs to just send you a, a proper HTTP redirect and go to just another route in your application. So you, you can certainly introduce it into an existing application. Very cool. Very cool. I have one app that is in my mind right now that I literally built the entire thing with Livewire and it's fine, works fine, but it would be a good experiment to try switching over to Inertia because it is literally just a one page. It's just a mm-hmm. single page app and it would work perfectly <laughs> for that. So maybe I'll try that. I have a, let's see, I have seven days to make that happen. So <laughs> maybe next week, we will see. Okay. Uh, I threw in some community links down here because I was just looking through before the show and some of them may overlap a little bit. There's a couple ones in here that deal with the database and SQL and good stuff like that. So I'm just going to talk through some of them. I'll take one of them and then Michael, you can take the next one. The first one I'm looking at is Laravel Show SQL. So this is by Dieter Koopman. And so the idea behind this one is it's a package to output a specific SQL to your favorite debugging tool browser or log file. So you often want to draw attention and look into... um, a single line of SQL while you're developing. But it would be really nice if you could just have that in your debug bar or something like that. Uh, and, and most of the time, this SQL is not the only SQL that's being executed on the page. So then you have to start searching through all of the different things, right? So this package, you can add show SQL to your query builder and a single SQL will be outputted to the logging of your debug tool. Now, this supports a bunch of different things. It could be Telescope or Laravel Log or ray or clockwork or debug bar or your browser uh so by default it will try and show uh this log in ray clockwork or debug bar if one of them is installed uh if all are installed it'll put it out to all of them uh but you can also send in your own log implementation if you want to pass a callback to show sql 
but this is really nice. So if there is a particular query that you're wanting to see the SQL for, you just add that show SQL method in there and it will kick it out to whatever your debug tool is that you're using. Uh, so that's pretty nice. Very cool. Thanks so much, Dieter Koopman, mm. for that one. Very nice. Next up, we have an article from Chris White that talks about Swool and Roadrunner for Laravel Octane and when you might use one or the other and the benefits of one over the other and, and the drawbacks between one and the other. I've I've used uh, Swool just because it's a, a compiled extension for for PHP and it has a couple of extra bits and pieces that that are not available in Roadrunner as I understand it. So it allows you to run um, concurrent tasks, ticks, uh, octane caching and swool tables, which is like in-memory data that you can pass around between swool processes. It is a little bit tricky to get up and running, you know, because you have to compile it into PHP or install it as an extension, whereas Roadrunner is just a Go binary that you can pop into your server and, and and split it out that way. So definitely check this out if you have ever wondered one way or the other which you should use and which might be um, better suited to your use case. Very cool. This next one is how to integrate Sentry or Honey Badger with Laravel Nova. And really this is it, the part of the tutorial is about here's how you set up Sentry, which anybody can do by just following the tutorial that Sentry gives you. Uh, same with Honey Badger. But really the the thing I wanted to highlight here is that Nova uses its own internal exception handler instead of using the default exception handler, like the handler class. So mm -hmm. if Nova has an error, it's not by default going to kick it out to your error handler, right? So you'd think maybe initially, okay, well, that's a, that's not a big deal because I'm, as the admin, going to be the only one that's looking at Nova. So I'm going to see that the error is going to happen, a 404 or 500, whatever, and then I can investigate it. Well, that's true. Unless you happen to be using Nova for something other than your admins, which I do that all the time, actually. We have at least two mm -hmm. or three applications where I've used Nova as the back end and then provided it just to the people who are going to be managing that application. They have no idea what a, what a 500 means, right? They have no clue yeah. what's happening there, right? And so they just report it to me and I have no insight into that except for going into maybe... No, I don't think... I'd, I'm not sure if it's logged. So basically, in the Nova service provider... In the register, uh, you can say Nova colon colon report, and then you can handle exceptions just as you normally uh, would inside of your handler class. Um, so you can say, you know, if the app has in the container bound a instance, uh, you know, to a string of Sentry, then go ahead and capture the exception again. You can do the same thing with Honey Badger. But we've had to do this in each of our applications that uses Nova. And it's like, it happens every time I forget to do it. And then somebody reports something like, dang it, we forgot to add that. So for those of you who are using Nova, this is a good item to keep in mind uh, for how to be catching those exceptions in your error tracking platform of choice. Very nice. Uh, the next one we have here is a package from Yaroslav Goshovsky, which is a database log channel giving you the ability to write logs into the database synchronously or asynchronously along with other logging channels. So that's that's pretty much it. That That is what it says on the tin. You can configure a new uh, logging channel and uh, it will it will write your logs directly to the database. So that, you know, it gives you the ability also to prune those logs uh, either daily or, you know, proceed the preceding X number of hours if you want to keep that nice and clean as well. It's useful if you want to provide a web interface to those log files as well, or mm, if you're using something true. like um, like Vapor, which doesn't have the ability to just log in to to the server and look at your Laravel log file. So check that out if that's something that you are interested in. 
All right, last one we have here is how to get notified when Laravel Horizon stops running. So to manage your queues in Laravel, uh, you could just use a database queue or something like that, which we do on some of our smaller apps. But a lot of times when you're using larger apps that have a lot of jobs running in the background and you want to be able to get real-time insights into those, see how many jobs are queued up, you know what channels are being run, how many workers you have running on each one of those, you're going to use something like Horizon. So setting it up is pretty straightforward once you've installed it. Um, you can just you know run a daemon that's going to keep Horizon running in the background. And you normally, that's that's all you have to do. And it also ships with the dashboard UI where you can check what's going on with your queues and the current status of the queues that are processing. It'll show you in the top right-hand corner if it's active or inactive. But stuff happens, right? The process will fail sometimes. The daemon can't restart. Horizon stops running jobs. This has happened to me before. And in most cases, you won't be notified. Uh, so you can set up Horizon to notify you if stuff is waiting for too long, right? Hey, is there a bunch of jobs that are backlogged? Please tell me that that's going to happen. But if the daemon has crashed and Horizon isn't running, it's not going to tell you anything, right? So generally, you're not going to notice those missing async job executions quickly since there's no error raised. And then users start contacting you inevitably. Hey, we didn't get our email that we were waiting for. You, you know, So you're going to visit the Horizon dashboard and you'll see, uh-oh, it, it's inactive. The daemon crashed somehow. Um, so. Ideally, when the horizon status changes, you should get a notification. So there's no really way to do that out of the box, but there is a way to do that by checking artisan horizon status, and it'll tell you if horizon is, uh, is active or inactive. So this tutorial essentially gives you a, a quick command you can use to periodically check the status of horizon with a scheduled task. And if it is inactive, then you can say, you know, let me know, right? And if it is uh, active, it's just not going to do anything. So you can also use uh, cron to do that, cron monitoring. And they've got a couple different suggestions for that. Uh, there's a really great product out there called Then Ping Me, which is a wonderful tool for doing those sorts of things. Don't know who built it, but I love using it. It's amazing. I'm just kidding. We built it. So anyway, <laughs> Michael built it. That is the last item I've got on the list here. There is a bunch of other really good stuff. Literally, I scanned through those community links and found all of those within about three minutes. So there's some really, really mm -hmm. good stuff out there. The community is always doing awesome work. And you can find those on the Laravel News website by going to laravel-news.com slash, I think it's just links. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yep. so there's yep. every, you know, there's a bunch of community tutorials and packages that you can check out. The ones that um, maybe don't get their, make their way into the actual Laravel News website but you should check these all out there's lots of good stuff on there yeah definitely all right anything else my friend before we close this one up nothing to add nothing to add at this time awesome all right everybody thanks so much for hanging out with this this was episode 156 you can find show notes for this episode at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 156 thanks again to honey badger for sponsoring the show you can find all the information about honey badger and how you can sign up in the show notes uh and then also if you liked the show we would really appreciate it if you'd share it with a friend or hit us up on Twitter, you can find us on Twitter at Michael Dorinda at Jacob Bennett or at Laravel News and rating us up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars is always very much appreciated. Thank you so much, friends. And I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving for those of you who are here in the US of A. And for those of you in Canada, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving in, in October a while ago. And for the rest of you in the world, I hope you just had a great week in general. Okay, friends. Until next time, we'll see you. Bye. Bye.